Welcome to the Christian Music Industry Podcast, powered by ChristianMusicMarketing.com. We are here to help Christian musicians, songwriters, and artists connect with one another, learn from one another, and to pull back the curtain to give you a behind-the-scenes look at the Christian music industry. Let's get started. All right, welcome back to the Christian Music Industry Podcast. I am your host, Wisdom Moon, and your guide in the Christian music industry. And back by popular demand, Amanda <laughs> Collier. <laughs> the wonderful co-host, the new co-host. <laughs> so I thought it might be fun to start off at least the first few episodes uh, with you sharing a little bit about a little bit more about yourself so our listeners can get to know you a little bit. So Ooh. what is your favorite drink? Oh my goodness. Okay. If you know anything about me, this should not be that complicated of a question, but if you know anything about me, you know that I have at least three drinks on my desk at all times. <laughs> there is, it's mainly cold things. Um, so water always stay hydrated. And then usually it like an iced coffee or a hot coffee and a Dr. Pepper because I love mm. Dr. Pepper. So out of those, do you have a favorite drink? <laughs> <laughs> or you just rotate them yeah. all, all day? Um, I feel like I'm obligated to say water mm. because it, you know, is healthy. <laughs> but I'm going to say Starbucks. And that's not a drink. I realize that. <laughs> but that's my favorite drink. <laughs> okay. I mean, water is pr- pretty uh, biblical. Yes. So, yeah, I don't think coffee is in the Bible. Wow, they were missing out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, but maybe there is. Somebody might prove us wrong. (laughs) So, yeah, today we're talking about uh, releasing music as your church as a part of this series we started last week. And uh, this is part two, and we're talking about building a firm foundation. Yes. Um, If you have not been playing that song on repeat, as I mentioned last (laughs) week, then you are missing out. Um, No, but we'll jump right into it. And um, first question I have for you is what are some things to consider when a church is discussing the potential of releasing their own music? Yeah, that's a loaded question because there are so many things and I could probably talk at least two hours (laughs) nonstop about it. But I think the first thing before you do anything else is to ask why. Why do you want to release music? Mm -hmm. And last week we talked a little bit about even, you know, sometimes worship leaders, uh, they do it out of their own personal desire. And like that's something that they've dreamed of doing. And uh, they almost use their church as like a, an investor and like funding source, <laughs> unfortunately. And uh, I haven't seen those go well. Maybe the first one or two projects goes well, but then something tends to typically happen long term. And um, so you want to really make sure everybody on the team knows why, like, why are you doing it? The church leadership knows why you're doing it, whether that's your senior pastor, your elder board, uh, however your church like government is structured. um, Everybody should be on the same page as to like, why are we doing this? Mm -hmm. And once you really figure that out, you have to ask like, okay, then if this is our why, does it make sense to actually move forward? Or if this is our why, should we maybe not do it right now? So for example, um, 
there are some churches I've worked with where their main why was that we want to uh, basically give these recordings of our songs that we sing on Sundays, originals and covers to our church body like during the week to listen to yeah. um, outside of Sunday mornings. And my response to that would be, you can still do that without releasing your own right. album, quote unquote, on Spotify. You could, you know, release your YouTube videos, you could put stuff on SoundCloud or whatever. Um, obviously, you want to, if you're doing covers, you want to make sure you're licensing the songs from the songwriters and publishers. Uh, but, you know, there's ways to equip your church without releasing it to the world. Yeah. So uh, I would say, you know, you want to make sure your why is bigger than your local church community and you really feel called to do this as a church to really uh, spread, you know, your songs farther than just your community. Do you have a, uh, when someone has reached out to you and been like, this is why I want to release music, do you have a favorite why? <laughs> uh they didn't like come out and say this exactly this way, but basically I've had a couple of churches where when I started to really ask questions and probe, the why was we want to be as famous as Elevation Worship oh. or Bethel Worship <laughs> or Hillsong Worship um, or Bethel Music, I should say. Uh, so that, I, I mean, it's not like my favorite, favorite but it's <laughs> i think kind of like the funniest yeah. that i've seen uh because that should never be your why right i also don't understand why people would actually say that yeah verbalize that yeah and i think that's a part of like uh i shared a little bit about it last week but the whole christian celebrity culture we're mm -hmm. in celebrity pastors and uh, I've seen that a lot of these churches that where that's the goal, their pastors tends to have that goal as well. Like mm -hmm. I want to be as famous as Stephen Furtick. I want to go do the same, you know, speaking circuits as him or get a book deal like Stephen Furtick. Yeah. Um, and you know, they may never say that out loud, but that might be the motivation behind things. Yeah. And so. I feel like that, probably comes across even in just simple conversations. Mm -hmm. Like even if you don't say it outright, I'm sure it comes out in like yeah. just different things that yeah. don't have to be said straight. Yeah, and sometimes it's kind of obvious when, yeah, the things that they are focusing on is, well, what did Elevation Worship do? You know, yeah. <laughs> like how how did Bethel Music start? You know, who really distributes their music? You know, things like that, you start to realize, oh, okay, I, I, <laughs> I get, get what <laughs> what's going on here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so in a church, um, how do the people who are the church leaders who are wanting to do this, how do you develop a songwriting culture and what does that even mean? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I guess to back up a little bit, once we know, okay, we, we do feel called to do this as mm -hmm. a church. Obviously, if you're releasing music, you need songs. Yes. <laughs> so you have to determine, like, should we write our own songs or all of our own songs or partly our songs? Uh, some churches do great, you know, just releasing covers, like their own rendition. Um, and especially if the, their style is a little bit different than the recording of it. Um, but if you feel like you're supposed to write original songs, um, then 
really it has to be a part of your routine and uh what is valued mm -hmm. so uh one statistic i think um says they're out of all the churches in the u.s and i'm sure we have people listening from all over the world but in the u.s there's over three three hundred thousand churches well wow. 95 percent of those churches are under 250 people i believe um somewhere around there there might be like new stats on that mm -hmm. that i haven't um i do remember somebody told me a recent stat that was probably even more shocking than that but i can't recall what it was but the bottom line is most churches are very small yeah. <laughs> in the u.s and you know that's not who we see you know on social media like the quote-unquote public figures um i say that because most churches are the worship team is volunteers mm -hmm. you know it's all volunteers or maybe there's like a part-time worship leader and to uh really develop a songwriting culture you have to have that passion within the team it can't just be the worship leader saying like we need to release music um so if you want to develop a writing culture you want to make sure you create that routine and create i guess a habit might be a better word and whether it's like once a month um you get people together that want to write and start to really like pour into them and not expect perfection not expect um the people that are just starting out to write the next good good father or whatever right. <laughs> but really you know see it as like we're here to serve our church and put um truths on the lips of our body you know and that takes time to do it well and like develop that skill and so I would say at least, you know, doing something every month or every quarter, um, bring people together that want to be a part of this and maybe meet for an hour and a half. Um, and maybe the first 20, 30 minutes is uh, somebody that is most experienced sharing some insights and encouragement and the why behind, like, why are we writing songs and then uh, split people up into groups, typically groups of three work the best as mm -hmm. far as like co-writing goes and give them, you know, at least an hour to write together. And sometimes it's helpful to give them topics to write about. And you want to use it more as like, we're going to exercise this muscle mm -hmm. of writing versus we're going to write for our next album. Cause that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, really look at it more like we're going to all go to the gym and work out, but like you're working out our, your songwriting muscle. And then from there, uh, it may take a year before you start to have some like solid songs out of that um, group. Uh, so that's kind of like where I would start uh, to develop, but really make sure that everybody knows like this is why we write our own songs because yeah. there is a unique expression of our local church community that we feel called to share, you know, uh, first with your local church, but beyond that too. Yeah. So every musician is not a songwriter. We do realize that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for like maybe some church like leaders who are looking for people that might be interested in songwriting, are there like certain like qualities or characteristics that you should be looking for in someone? Mm. Like you can't just, I mean, I could probably approach you and say, Hey, I would love to write a song and it would 
not be good. <laughs> so, yeah. are there anything that, yeah, like church leaders should be like looking for in mm. people? Yeah, I feel like I've heard people, some people say like, no, everybody can be a songwriter. Hmm. But that'd be like saying everybody can be an accountant. Right. <laughs> and I know I can't be an accountant because I hate <laughs> numbers. I'm not good at math. <laughs> so I think part of it is some people do have more of a natural, you know, talent or like gifting in writing. And uh, that just like writing in general, and that could tra uh, transfer into songwriting. Mm -hmm. um, I think some people are going to be very creative on the musical side um, and really contribute to the melody side of things. Yeah. Some people might be more um, theological and they can speak into the depth of the song and, and the accuracy of the song. And some people might be able to look at the structure of the song and go, hey, let's make this more singable. You know, so I think there's uh, different roles within songwriting, mm -hmm. especially when you're co-writing that you can have. Uh, but you don't want to just throw anybody into a room uh, because that could be a disaster. <laughs> and so, and I think beyond just even talent and skill is how humble are they? Mm. Uh, something that I uh, started saying se uh, several years ago when I was leading a worship team is I'm looking for fat people. <laughs> <laughs> F, uh, F stands for faithful and A is available and T is teachable. So you want people that are faithful, you know, if they're going to commit to this, you want to make sure they're really committed and they're going to show up mm -hmm. when they say they are, they're going to show up on time and ready. You want to make sure they come like with ideas to contribute and then they're available, you know, to actually uh, be a part of it. They're available for feedback, you know, things like that. And then, I think teachable is really important yeah. in songwriting. Uh, and that's where humility comes in because if you're not humble, you're not teachable. So I think uh, people that really grow in songwriting are the ones that are really teachable. Mm -hmm. so. And I'm sure some people didn't even get to hear you explain that acronym because they walked out when you said you wanted fat people. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's really good. I mean, I could say taff people, but that's not as funny. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't resonate as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um, okay, last question. Um, how do you decide who owns the songs? I think that is a loaded question. <laughs> yeah. So this is where a lot of bridges get burned. <laughs> uh, so in general, there are two main approaches to this that work well. Um, there's a lot of different other ways to do it, but two ways that I've seen work out well. Um, so one scenario is the church hire or has staff people that are uh, utilizing some of their time, like working hours uh, to write songs mm -hmm. and develop a team of songwriters. Um, the church obviously is paying the staff and the church pays for the recordings. And uh, so the church basically 
ends up owning the master recordings. Okay. And the master uh, in industry terms is basically the audio recording of the song. The final recording uh, specifically is called the final master. And uh, if the church paid for it, you know, they own it. Uh, if you are on staff or even, you know, sometimes volunteers, if you are writing for a church project, anything you write, the church becomes the publisher of the song um, or a co-publisher of the song and publish the publisher uh, typically owns the copyright of the song, like the composition of the song. Mm -hmm. So that means that the church owns both the recording, the, uh, the master recording and the composition, the actual song itself. And the songwriter, uh, they still receive royalties because there's songwriter royalties and there's publisher royalties. Um, so they still receive uh, like half of the royalties from the publishing side, but ultimately the ownership of the song goes to the church. So if the staff member, you know, writes a, a really great song and then five years later leaves the church, the church still owns the song, but they can still pay out the royalties to the worship leader mm -hmm. that left mm -hmm. their songwriter part. And then that way, um, the church can still utilize the songs in the future, no matter you know who comes and goes, and it's kind of like cut and dry, you know, who owns everything. Um, the other way to do it is each songwriter um, is a publisher, and I think in most cases, if the church is paying for the recording, the production of it, mm -hmm. they typically will own the recording side. Uh, if the church doesn't want to get involved as a publisher, then each songwriter can set themselves up as a publisher. Mm -hmm. And this is where it gets really complicated. And we could talk for like <laughs> the next 30 minutes just about this, but <laughs> I'm going to keep it short. So there's uh, the publisher and the songwriter. And the, you as the worship songwriter or worship leader can be both if the church chooses not to be a publisher. And so you just set up, you can go to BMI or ASCAP, their website and uh, register as a publisher mm -hmm. and also as a songwriter. And in that scenario, you own the hundred percent of the, your portion of that composition that you write. So okay. if you write with two other people, then you own one third of that song um, as a publisher and as a songwriter. Got it. <laughs> I have worked here for almost a year, and this whole concept is still so confusing. I'm sure one day I will catch on, but today is not that day. Yeah, it, it is a lot. It's a lot. Uh, it took me probably a, a year, like working at a label and publishing company, to grasp this <laughs> yeah. i think at one point you tried to use like a coffee cup as an illustration because that's <laughs> that's just how i yeah. resonate and it still didn't work so. yeah imagine you have a starbucks cup yeah. <laughs> and the lid is <laughs> uh so the if you are the publisher then basically the work the admin work of uh, licensing of also collecting royalties falls on you uh, so I would say most worship leaders are equipped to be their own publisher. Uh, so what I would recommend is if your church decides we don't want to get involved in publishing, you own your own publishing, um, you should try to find an administrator mm. 
So that's a whole nother like department in <laughs> the industry where all, their whole job is to admit administer your catalog. Okay. And they, they don't own your publishing. They basically take a small fee, usually a percentage of your royalties. And then they basically go out to different things like YouTube um, and collect royalties on your behalf on the publishing side. Um, CCLI falls under publishing, so CCLI royalties they would collect for you. Um, so I would recommend finding a, an administrator um, if you are going to be your own publisher. And if your church is going to be the publisher, uh, encourage them to find an administrator <laughs> because most churches are not equipped to be their own publishing administrator because most churches don't have expertise in that. <laughs> And I've seen so many churches try to be a label and a publisher and like nobody's actually doing those jobs yeah. <laughs> they're supposed to do because they actually don't know what they don't know. Yeah. So that's great. Um, yes. If you learned anything from this, find a pub admin if you, are, <laughs> <laughs> if you are releasing music. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I would say some other things to consider is uh, I think we alluded to this um, already, but, you know, making sure that you have the support of your pastor and leadership mm -hmm. and, you know, they really, they not only like see the vision, but the senior pastor really should be casting the vision to the mm -hmm. church too for releasing music. Um, and also you need to make sure you have time and resources to allocate to doing this because it is a lot of work. Yeah. Uh, you can't just wake up one day and be like, we're going to write five songs this, this week and release it. Uh, that doesn't, it just doesn't work that way. Or at least not do it well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, also, I would say you need to determine who your target audience is. Uh, that could be, you know, uh, maybe you're a church in Sacramento and you want to reach your area, mm -hmm. the Sacramento area. Or maybe you want to reach, uh, like we're in Kansas City, we want to reach the Kansas City area with our music. But also, you know, we live in a digital world, so you could, there. there's no really limit to who you can reach. But I would say you want to define like your ideal listener. Um, and maybe it's some, like maybe the core message that you have as a church is hope. And so you want to reach people that are struggling with uh, depression or mm -hmm. uh, addiction, and you feel called to, you know, be a be a beacon of light to them yeah. and be hope to them. Um, and then also just really having clear boundaries of if you're a staff at our church, you can write songs uh, for the church, but you can only do it on Tuesdays and Thursdays, or you can only do it, you know, three to five every day. Whatever that is, you want to make sure it's really clear and clear to your direct supervisor, whoever you report to, and make sure that you don't get fired over it, basically. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you don't go to your next performance review and the pastor's like, so you spent 30 hours in songwriting you know, the last quarter. Uh, and that's not your real job. <laughs> also, yeah. it would be tough to release as a church if you are not with that church. So. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I hope that this is uh, at least some initial discussion points for your church to establish a firm foundation 
And uh, this song, this episode is sponsored by Cody Carnes' song "Firm Foundation." Yeah, <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> we do love that song, but we do. <laughs> great song. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, if you have any questions about any of this that we talked about, uh, reach out to us and let us know. Hit us up on Instagram, Christian Music Industry. Uh, I mean, really, what we talked about even today is just like scratching the surface. Yeah, absolutely. Well, great. Thanks so much. And we will see you guys next week. Well, I guess not see. We will <laughs> talk to you guys next week for episode three of Releasing Music as a Church. Thank you for listening to the Christian Music Industry Podcast, powered by Christian Music Marketing. To find out how we can partner with you to increase your impact and influence with integrity, please visit our website, christianmusicmarketing.com, or check us out on Instagram at Christian Music Marketing. See you next time.